everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, Jen Hatmaker here. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. So happy you are listening today. Happy to be in your eardrums. Um, and you are going to be glad that you hit play on this episode. So, but before I jump into it, I want, I wanted to make sure that you knew that our little beloved for the love podcast is hitting the road. You heard it right. So excited about this. We're doing a handful of live podcast events, which I am just pumped about coming to a few cities near you. And I have a very special guest in each and every city. So essentially, we're going to record a podcast episode live in front of you with other cool stuff all wrapped around it. So um, I am essentially picking up my living room and dropping it in your city and experiencing a podcast in a live room with you. It's just so fun. We're coming to Portland We're coming to Minneapolis. We are coming to Atlanta. We are coming to Grand Rapids. I'm telling you, if you are anywhere near those cities, we so want to see you. Come join us for these live events. They're all in the next month. Um, You can find out all you need to know at jenhatmaker.com and get your tickets, bring your people, bring your friends. Cannot wait to see you. By the way, this is not just for... It's not just for girls. You can, this is date night. Um, so bring your, bring your men, bring your fellas, bring your kids. We're going to have put some really great people and conversations in front of you. Okay. As for today, we are in the middle of a series called For the Love of Podcasts. And what is so great right now about the podcast world is we are getting to pull up a seat to so many interesting tables and to hear about different experiences and different perspectives and learn from different leaders, different kinds of thinkers. I just, I cannot tell you how much this has mattered to me and how much I have learned and how grateful I am for the podcast work of so many outstanding people in our culture right now. I've, I've literally listened to people near and far from all walks of life who are showing me what it means to be a human in Compton or in Copenhagen or Cape Town or wherever. I am learning so much. And if you are too, that's just icing on the cake for me today. Ah, what a good episode we have today. I have a few of my favorite people on today, and I am delighted for you to know them and to hear about their work. So today I'm talking with Jason Petty and wife, Dr. Alma Zaragoza Petty. Um, You might also know who I'm speaking to in the second half of the show, my dear friend, storyteller and all around good human, B.T. Harmon. Okay, so first things first, Jason Petty. He's a rapper. He's an activist. He's an artist. You might know him better by his stage name, Propaganda. So great. So Jason and his amazing wife, Dr. Alma, she is a university professor. You guys no big deal. They host one of my favorite podcasts. uh, And I want to make sure you know about it. It's called the Red Couch Podcast. And they have all kinds of very candid conversations and interviews covering everything from pop culture to politics to social justice issues. And they bring really unique perspectives to bear for 
every single conversation they host. They're both so smart and so interesting. Um, the two of them actually grew up in different parts of LA. Um, Jason's dad was a Black Panther. Alma's parents immigrated from Mexico before she was born, and she grew up both in Mexico and the U.S. So they are these amazing parents leading an interracial family with so much humor and grit. I, I just love them. I really do. And I love the things that they're talking about and the way that they're talking about it. I have learned a lot from the both of them. So um, they're inviting us all along for a ride on their show. So just a quick hat tip here. The Red Couch podcast is on the Liturgist Network. So you know what that means. It is full of smart and open and engaging conversations, conversations that challenge us and stretch our brains and our hearts, which happens to me every single time we talk to folks from the liturgist. So um, we've had them on the show. In fact, Hillary McBride, um, Mike McCarg, also known as Science, Science Mike, just a great bunch of human beings. I love them. I learn from them. I listen to them. And so Red Couch Podcast is a part of that umbrella. So you already know it's good. Okay, so today... We go straight into what Jason and Alma's work looks like and how they do it and what their perspectives and point of views are, why it all matters. I got so caught up in talking with them. We just kind of went off to the races. Uh, So we're going to jump right into the middle of our conversation. So buckle up, you guys. We are absolutely coming in hot. I am pleased to share my conversation with the insightful, funny Propaganda, Jason Petty, and his wife, Dr. Alma Zaragoza Petty. I'm super glad to have the both of you on the show today. Welcome, Propaganda. Welcome, Alma. Thank you for saying yes to this. I think your work together, golly, it's like, it's greater than the sum of its parts even, because what you do together is really, really special. This, you've got this sort of, I don't know, if, is, is ministry the right word to call it? It just, it doesn't look traditional, you know, in the ways yeah. that Christians have always put ministry in real tidy categories, um, which for me, yeah. of course, as you know, is refreshing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if you can sort of sum up, both of you, um, your mission specifically for your art and music, Jason, and then also mm-hmm. the both of you for your podcast, because you're just carving out some space here in the wilderness um, where there isn't necessarily exact precedence. Yeah, man, these are, uh, that's great, dude, because those are questions we ask ourselves all the time. Like, okay, so what are we doing? Yeah, what's our deal? <laughs> yeah. All the time we need yesterday. Yesterday yeah. we were questioning our whole existence. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, you know, a lot of our stuff is really truth-telling with the hope of vision casting. So yeah. it's like, how do we, um, how do we help people just imagine a different reality? Like, what? You know, but the only way to do that is to take a real look at what's happening now. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and being able to get a get a grip around that. There's there's also like an importance for us to like um, tap into, celebrate, and elevate our sort of um, our sort of perspectives as people of color. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And be a voice for those who. Probably like a lot of the stuff that that we bring up or that we talk about is like it's not really revolutionary among other people of color. Yeah, like they we're talking about this already. Right, you know what I'm saying totally, and already have a perspective of seeing the world sort of the way that we see it. Um, 
we just have sort of like, you know, degrees at the end of our names yeah. and a microphone, you know what I'm saying? So like, for me, the music is supposed to like, again, like vision cast and kind of, kind of, um, use sort of the gift of the, uh, of being from the margins to help sort of like project a better future for yeah. all of us, you know? And then I hope for the hope for the, for the pod is the same, um, to tackle conversations that like really are happening off the mic in, in, you know, the rest of the communities, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, when I was taking the like exams to become like a, a California, like high school teacher, mm-hmm. um, one of the, one of the, uh, you have to take, you know, us world history, civics, government, right. econ, right. You have to be able to pass all these exams. Right. So, um, I passed all of them first try except for the economics one. Hmm. And, and it wasn't that I didn't understand. I just didn't know the vocabulary. I didn't know how you wanted me to answer these questions. Right. So like, because like economics is simple. Just you don't spend money. You don't have, that's easy. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, and if you spend money, spend money on what's going to make you money. That's just, I don't understand. I don't understand why you need all these charts for that. Right. So, for me, it was like I couldn't name the charts. I couldn't name this, but it let, I, I walked away feeling like, man, maybe I'm not as intelligent mm. as I think I am. Even though I was like, but I, but I, but I'm telling you, I know what you're asking me. Mm. You know, um, so I feel like um, some having having to figure that out on my own to be like, no, Jason, you, you do know what you're talking about. Mm. You just have to learn their language. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, was important to me. So uh, I want I want other like you know, people in the world that may don't have the degrees that we have or don't know the edu speech or like the prop, the king's tongue mm. to be able to articulate what's happening politically or socially yeah. or whatever the case may be to, to have the, the confidence to know like, no, you actually do know what you're talking about. That's good. You know what I'm saying? So let me translate this. You're not, you're not unintelligent. You actually have a different type of intelligence. That's good. Now let me just give you vocabulary for what you already know. I love that. I've never heard yeah. anybody say it just like that. That's pretty profound. Alma? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's been um, definitely seeing this more as a ministry has been helpful. And then also not only that, but seeing how even like this work is, has shaped how I look at things. So for instance, Mm -hmm. like I used to always have this idea that I didn't want to be a leader because leaders are jerks. They're Mm -hmm. out there just telling people what to do and are you know, sitting on this high tower and judging me, you know, and, and, and maybe that's because of my EOC perspective or, or because of just the experiences that I, I had up to that point. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really uh, enjoy about doing, uh, doing with the podcast and realizing uh, this is part of what it does is that we're not about, at least for myself, like I know that I'm not about being a leader for just being a leader safe. Mm. At the same time, I do feel that like for a long time in my life, I have always been a leader. Like I have always done things that people were like, oh man, you can do that, that's scary. Oh man, you can do that. Like yes. why? You know, and just doing things that were out of the norm. And to to me that didn't equal leader. That equal like crazy person. You mm. know, like mm. risk taker or just like Trump, you know, uh, acting out your trauma at times, which I'm yeah. sure some of it probably was. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like I was always like 
excited about doing things out of my comfort zone and hmm. but didn't but didn't see it in that way i saw it more as like this risk taker like i joined the gang at one point in my life because i was like yeah i'm hard and i'm doing this thing you know hmm. and it's so different my parents hate it you know and and i think uh it's almost like that had to be redeemed in this context for me to realize like oh it's not so much that i'm a leader because i can do it it's because i'm a leader because i can also show others the way that it's actually not that hard it's wow. actually just you leaning into your own originality and like your own creativity yeah. and in whatever manifestation that takes like you know it could be like more artistic or it could be more yeah. like a conventional sort of like you know um nine to five kind of like sure. uh, job whatever the point is like that is probably one of the things that i've held on to and when i whenever i am feeling kind of like wait what are we doing this like why are we yeah. like someone's yeah. trying and all these different roles in our lives yeah. and then adding this like oh that's yeah. right because there's a lot of people out there that are still disenfranchised that are still don't, don't see their potential and sometimes even if we can just reflect a little bit of that in us hmm. to them then that is like our work here has been done at least for me that's kind of what yeah. I'm doing it that's pretty hey, strong. So I'm, gonna, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, not, I'm gonna jump in here real quick uh-huh. and just how she slid by the fact that she was actually a member of the gang here. Uh, <laughs> this is a, and it's like a, one of the it's most one notorious of, street gangs in Los Angeles. It's one of the funny, childhood. it's one of the greatest stories. Like, it's not just like, oh, these are just my friends acting you know stupid. It it's like a legendary. It's because you wanted to be a gangster, but you couldn't. Because I couldn't. Uh, daddy would have killed She was a huge gang bang. Yo. But you gotta tell hear this story can you tell her how you got out of it though oh my gosh it is crazy so i ended up accidentally showing my grades to one of like the lead people in the gang oh my she saw my grades basically accidentally and she was like whoa you have straight a's (laughs) i was like yeah you're just kidding me if i don't have the grades like my dad would kill me oh my gosh Um, and she was like wait your dad cares about what grades you get come on and i was like what? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And wow. she was like, "What are you doing with your life? Like, you should just, just do that." that Seriously. Like, if you like it, like, why are you here with us? Like, and I honestly, at that time, all I felt was yet again, I rejected. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're like, they're like, we're losers. Like, oh. what are you doing? Oh you my know, gosh. Losers don't want me. Yeah. <laughs> the losers don't want. Okay, that's crazy. That. Yeah. That is amazing. And so you stepped away? I did. They let me walk, walk away. Which is unheard of. That's the only way you can do it, actually, is if, like, the main people decide that. It's the only way to walk away. Like, they just <laughs> release you and this, you can go? Yeah, you get jumped out. Yeah. Or you die. Yeah, that's the way you get out. Yeah. <laughs> so I was really glad that. How My old? Idea, of course, was a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you when that went down, Alma? I was my daughter's age, probably. I was like 13 wow, or 14. Gosh. So it was like pivotal developmental years. Wow. <laughs> God, your life just could have taken so a completely different, different yeah. path. Right. I mean, just completely different. I'm not going to ever yeah. forget this. Like, my, my brain is blown right now. One thing that I love about listening to the two of you, and you kind of said this a second ago, Jason, you... You said part of your goal, part of your work is how do you help people imagine a different reality? 
And I really appreciated also what you just said, Alma, about leadership doesn't just look one way. Leadership can be creative. It can be academic. It can be gentle. It can be, it can be assertive. I, I, I think we're, you're right that you were a leader all this time. You just weren't using the right language around it. Um, one thing that the two of you do is that you show with your words and your life, how important it is to train ourselves to see this world through different cultural lenses and how to look um, practically uh, at the cause and effect that one event or a series of events can have on different groups of people because obviously our nature is to be self-centered. It's challenging to look outside of our family. It is challenging to look outside of our own experience, our own community. Um, it just, it's like a black hole that wants to suck in all of our attention um, and assume that it's the center of everybody else's universe too. So I wonder if for a minute you could each talk about um, how would you counsel us? How would you advise us um, as human beings to see outside of a very confined scope, whatever it was we were handed, whatever it was we grew up inside yeah. of, um, and, and why that is really, really crucial work that each of us decides that we have to do. Yeah, that's good. That's a great question. I know. So here's what's interesting. So as someone who's like, you know, when you're like, non-majority culture, right. you know, which you're, you're already forced to live at least a bicultural experience. Yes. So if you're going to exist in just macro culture, you have to learn how to see the world through white people's eyes. That's right. right? It's, it's just a part of right. experience. Right. right. So you're already thrusted into it. So it's not an option. It's not an option to already have to right. do that. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, and now you could take that and then go and lean into it and be like, man, there's like, well, the world's not a binary. There's yeah. so many other experiences, so many other intersections. So me as a male, I have to be like, okay, what does it look like to walk in here as a woman? Yeah. What does it look like walking here as a black woman? Or yeah. what about, you know what I'm saying? And um, a Latino woman, you know, a Latina, right? Because I'm married to one. So, I, yeah. you know, you just need to understand sort of these different ways to you know, throw yourself into these others environment. So there's, there's the reality of like, it's just not an option as a person of color. You know what I'm saying? Um, as somebody who's part of majority culture, it is an option for you, Yeah. you know? And if you do desire to grow, it's just like, yeah, that's just one of those things. You just have to find your, find a way to immerse yourself in a world that's not yours, yeah. you know? And, and just come in as like, you know, as a learner, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, totally. you know, defense is down, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, you know, it's not about self-preservation. It's yeah. about exploration. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of times to me, that's, that's what I've seen. If I were to, if I were to diagnose, yeah, <laughs> diagnose other people, I would say like, I feel like the, the, the understandable tendency to like self, you know, to, for self-preservation is like, sometimes you have, you have to figure out how to get over that instinct and like, allow yourself to be in a space that's like yeah. not made for you. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think aside from the like social political kind of stuff that Jason touched upon, something else that um, comes to mind is understanding um, my life in relation to others and how we're all in this like 
you know, you often hear about like uh, this, this a political project or this, this like, yeah. you know, like this, this, this idea of the world and like, how do you imagine like a different world? And I mean, for us, at least for me, like I know my, my spirituality, my religion, like informs a lot of that. And so often I talk about, I think about like, what does it mean like to be in a love project? Mm. Like if I am in a love project with the universe. Mm. Like, what does this look like? It it's looks good. like, for me, and I've challenged myself a lot on this, it's like, because for a long time I was so insulated, and I and it was all about me and my culture and my people, and we went in after everybody else, like, I, it's actually really easy for me to understand, like, a white majority perspective. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, that's just what I did, except with no power and, like, brown yeah. version of that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy for me to get it, but because it's also easy for me, it's like, I have the patience to be able to say like, oh, just because of my own beliefs doesn't excuse, you know, like I'm not excused by the, I, I feel like we all, like you often hear this idea of like, um, you know, we're called to love people, but I don't have to like you. Yeah. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's just like such a cop out. Mm. Like, no, no, that's yeah. not actually like what God meant. And mm. at least like I take that really seriously and like, how do I then love someone who is pissing me off with their questions mm. around like, you know, being a person of color or like not understanding why those people act as, you know, like do saying generalizations yeah. or things that are discriminatory or things that they don't even realize mm. are that, you know, and how do I love that person? Mm. Because I'm called to love them, even though I don't want to, and even yeah. though I have this pop-out version of like love that I want to like lean into sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm not, I feel like, no, I need to push myself past that. And that means, like, A, like, I'm not always going to be the person to teach that person. You know, like, I'm, oh, I'm going to probably not be in a good place sometimes. Yeah. And I need to recognize, so I need to love myself hmm. enough to be like, man, I can't love myself enough right now and love you too. So hmm. let me focus on loving myself That's and good. saying, like, I, I can't be there for you right now. Hmm. Um, or I need to, like, actually extend out and say, like, hey, man, what you said like that's just really problematic for yeah. all these reasons and I just I just want to let you know that because I care for you and I want you to not make this mistake with someone else again yes. really you know yeah totally um, you know yeah. this work has it just has a very real enemy in white fragility you know it does like this is where the the rubber just leaves the road for so much important work in the world right now because white people are absolutely accustomed to being the majority in the room at all times that's the world was built around our experience it was built for our protection it was built for our promotion it was built for our position and it was built for our power so um, when anything, anything comes in from a side door and feels like it threatens the equilibrium there that we are accustomed to living in, I mean, it just can go right off the rails. And I see this all the time in my work, too. Um, I'm sure you guys probably know Latasha Morrison. She's my friend. Who's, yeah. She does really cool work. And her her space is called Be the Bridge. And she, her, she's working really hard on racial equality and, and reconciliation, yeah. primarily inside the church, but also outside of it. And she has like, this goes back to something you just said, Jason, she's got a rule. There's a lot of threads to her work. She's, it's not just one thing, but one of the spaces is kind of an online private Facebook group. And it's huge at this point um, where you can just sort of 
pull up a chair and on the daily, just be paying attention. But her rule is, and I love this and I have learned so much from her is that if you are white and you are coming into the space, um, presumably to learn, um, you cannot say one word, not a word. You cannot comment. You cannot yeah. like, you cannot make, you cannot respond. You can say zero and it will be checked for three months. So they're like, for three months, you just sit there and you listen and you pay attention. And I find that such good leadership because that gives just a little bit of time for white people to get over the shock of their own, like, shame and defensiveness, which always just comes out so wild um, and and then so offensive. Um, And so I think the work, the onus is on us here. And so I want... I, I so appreciate the work that you're doing because you're teachers and your leaders in this space, but the work, t- the work is, is it, the work is ours. Um, and you yeah. cannot do that for us, nor is it your responsibility. Um, and, and so I'm, I, uh, this is why I'm so happy to put leaders like you in front of my predominantly white audience, because I, I, we have so, if we can come in humbly, if we can do it, then we have a lot to learn. One, both of you guys, gosh, you don't ever shy away from the hard stuff. Like it's so funny because your chemistry together is like so cute and fun. It's so, (laughs) it's so married and it's so familiar and it's so great. But then you guys go in, like you talk about Iran and Palestine and Brexit. I mean, there's just like no end to what you won't touch on. You really, really go into some, some of the most tangled topics of the day. And you share them in a way that strips off a lot of the pretense and lingo that is hard to wade through. And you kind of expose them down to their basics. So obviously, I've talked to you about this before, but one of the segments I like the most in each episode is hood politics, obviously. Brilliant. Tell my listeners, if they're not familiar with your work yet, what that segment looks like and what it's about. That's great. Now that's like almost reflecting back to like the economics thing that I was saying in life is like, you kind of don't know the language, but you actually know what you're looking at. So it's kind of the idea of like, I just have this strong held belief that if you understand sort of inner city living, like hood living, you understand geopolitics. If you've even made it through like, uh, middle school, just middle school, like dynamics, just how all that works. Yeah. I really think you can understand geopolitics because yeah. it's really not that far from it. So Hilarious. what we want to do, uh, to, 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 to say, but what we want to do with hood politics is like, take a very kind of, it's a cheeky like approach right. to in political pundits, but it's not so much, it's commentary and it's commentary in the sense of, I know a lot of this is confusing. I know there's a lot of bias. It's like, if you're going to watch television news, you're just like, you're, it's over before it started. You right. know what I'm saying? Um, so here's a way to at least understand the talking points, right? In a language that you and I uh, might actually be familiar with. So it's like, again, it's just this idea of like, you take the, you take the little like, you know, little hood kid that just, yeah. you know, doesn't think that they're equipped for this. And I just kind of like want you to go, actually, you are, man. Yeah. You actually know, you know, what you're looking at. Right. And you understand what you're looking at. So it's just, so that's kind of the approach. I also like um, 
So the genesis was that. And then like the way that I learned sort of how to do it was um, just teaching inner city social science. Like yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I taught ninth graders yeah. how to oh teach gosh. them social science. So it's like, oh. and they were hood kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like, okay, dude, like what, what's the language? And they're just intimidated. As soon as sure. you open up and you say, we're about to talk about politics, sure. you're like, oh, I'm out, I'm gone. It's like, yeah. well, no. This is your life, you know. Yeah. Even if you're trying to understand history, like the, to me, the easiest understanding of history is like, well, it's just people doing what people do. So yeah. if you're looking at this situation, what would you do? What would your mama do? That's probably what happened. Yeah, you know what I'm <laughs> yes, I love it. It's great. Like, give us an example. <laughs> give us like a little shortened version of hood politics, so everybody can kind of hear what's up here. Here's here's an example. Let's just say you know, you Jen, uh, your family you know, get the tax return or something, and okay. then you guys move across town, right? But when you move across town, that's like a his, just for generations, that's been sort of a rival neighborhood, okay? right? So, but it's okay because, Jen, you have a big sister, hmm. and your big sister has been dating one of the guys over there okay. forever. So even though you're from a rival hood, you have what's called a hood pass, uh-huh. right? Which yeah. means it's, you're really not supposed to be here, but I'm going to give you a pass, yes. right? Because your big sister right. is dating one of our OGs, right? What if they break up? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your hood pass is revoked. You are now all out in the open. That's now, right. that guy's not going to be, now the dude's not going to be malicious. Let's say it was a good breakup. It's like, the guy's not going to be malicious. It's like, not going to be like, go after Jen. He's right. just like, okay, Look, whatever transpires now, like, I got nothing to do with that, yeah. but me and her are done. This is what our president just did mm. to Syria and Turkey. Uh, they just revoked the hood pass. Got because, it. Because we've been partners. We've been, America's been working with the Syrian Kurds, yep. right, to help coil ISIS, right? Yep. And it's been working with Turkey. We're a long-time partners with Turkey, but Turkey can't stand the Kurds. That's right. Right? So... But the only reason why the Syrian Kurds have been safe is because we've been present, got right? It. The second we leave, the Syrian Kurds got their hood pass revoked. Got it. Which is now, as I'm looking at the TV right now, Turkey just invaded Syria. Yeah. So I'm just like, so that's it's just you just got your hood pass revoked. So you can't say you can't throw your hands up and be like. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. It's like, well, you know. Yeah, totally. You already know what's going to happen. You yeah. just revoke the hood pass. That's a great example. As you were telling the story, my brain was like, wait, what is it? I was trying to find it. I was trying, what's happening? That's a that's a perfect example. I'm curious, what's the feedback been from Christians of color about your show? Or is there like even a particular story that stands out to you from a listener? For me, it's been a lot of like, Thank you for being my church in the interim. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So great. Having not been beholden to any particular denomination, it's like been very sort of, I found freeing for our listeners is a lot of like, oh, great. I'm not crazy. Totally. Thank you. (laughs) A lot of, that's been a lot of like the responses we've been getting. It's like, man, finally, like this is, this is stuff I can't say at church. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like, we're all yeah. thinking this, you know. The most impactful one that I've got received was actually as we've been doing this tour mm-hmm. um, when we were in Texas, and yeah. someone mentioned like 
like having us as a resource during her divorce and having oh. like a place that was home before her divorce and then yeah. carry her through her divorce. Wow. Yeah, we're in Houston, Texas. Yeah. One and in the same room, there's like a 60 year old white dude, right? Mm. And then there was like a transgender. Yeah. Yeah. Person sitting in the back, and we were like, and then it was just like the role of the Black Lives Matter, yeah. like well, black people in the front. <laughs> totally. It was just like who. Who who draws this? Like what? <laughs> yeah. What? This is look at this room. You know what oh, I'm saying? So yeah. Oh, uh, um, I've heard you say before, Jason, that civic engagement because you guys go, you know, as the example you just gave us, as a perfect, a prime example of the sorts of stuff that you talk about. That for you, civic engagement, you understood, obviously, with your dad growing up, this was an important part of your faith. Not They weren't separate. They were very yeah. together. But that that's not something you see as much anymore, which I couldn't agree more than that. So I wonder yeah. if you can talk about that a little bit. Why do you think that has changed? How do you think we can restore it? Um, what? How would you sort of counsel Christians and people of faith in general to reimagine civic engagement? Yeah, I, that's man, another great question. Uh, you're good at this. <laughs> uh, so when like laws like, you know, are just an issue for your actual personhood, you that's just right. like, you just can't not right. engage, you know? Now, um, I think when you, you know, sort of build an insulated, you know, fence around thing and call it safety. You know what I'm sure. saying? You just create a world and call this world safe and inside of this safe world, you know, whether it's your Christian radio stations or, you know, music or yeah. coffee shops or whatever the case may be, you get, you get this illusion of this, like, moated castle that you can exist in and everything's good inside of this and everything out there is you know unsafe is evil is not good you know what i'm saying um it's just a very comfortable life so when you think about that it's like well the laws aren't affecting your quality of life anymore so it's like you don't think about it you yeah. know what i'm saying um which is obviously a very selfish sure. you know one one-sided like way to look at the world totally you know but as a believer i think the first thing you have to step back and be like who built this moat yeah right and why is it even here? Yeah. What do you mean them? What do you mean there is no them? Yes. Like I was like, what Jesus are you talking about? Like I feel like Jesus kept going, nah, them too. No, 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 no. Yeah. Them too. Right. Nah, yes. them too. Yes. Yep. They're no, they're us. That's you know what I'm good. saying? So yeah. when you don't have a motif that has sort of this like walled off city, then you're like, well, what infects what affects them infects me. And That's if I'm right. gonna be a good neighbor. The way to institutionalize my neighborliness is to have civic duty. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I wonder if you, if you ever view your work, particularly on the podcast, um, as a resource for other people of color who are just sick to death of explaining their experience all the time and having Absolutely. to um, code switch all the time and having to shape shift um, to this sort of white majority culture all the time. So um, I wonder if, if you could talk about why it's important for people to understand that conversational fatigue around the experiences of people of color and for you is so real. 
that it's just exhausting. That heavy lifting is too much to ask. And so do you see your work sometimes as people in will say, here, just listen to this. <laughs> here, download yeah. this and, th- yeah, and then yeah. come talk to me with your questions. <laughs> yeah, we literally tell all our listeners, hey, we're going to talk about this today. So yeah. if you have a white person in your life that's asking you about this, yeah. just share this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully it'll clear up some stuff and you don't need to be tired about explaining it yet again to someone else. Because we don't still because sometimes it still feels like our it still feels like we're a body our bodies and minds are commodities so yeah. it's like even in you trying even in a person trying to get out of a sort of a a, a racist motif yeah. I yeah. still feel like I'm being used as a product because yeah. it's like you want me to you you outsourcing all of your hard work you know what I'm saying totally. and I'm like just do the work you know what I mean yep. here listen to this we already did it yes perfect yeah but what yeah. about for you guys because it's demanding that you're you're doing a, you're rowing this this ship pretty hard um so on your hard days when you are worn out when you're tired when you're low from just the demands basically of your schedules first of all but then just the hard work of that you are doing here like what does hope look like for you i'm curious what joy looks like for you what do you do either individually or together or both um that keeps you fueled up to keep your foot on the gas here we definitely know how to like unplug. Good. Know how to like, yeah. We're not answering this question. Yeah, yeah. we're just gonna like movie night with our kids. Yes, like, totally. We both have like massage like memberships. Yes. You know what I'm yeah. So <laughs> going to get massages. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we got hobbies. You know, I you know I'm, I will lose myself in a in a series or a documentary. You know. What are you yeah. watching? What am I watching now? Yeah. We're watching together, the boys. Is uh, it good? Which is, uh, oh man, this thing's so dope. I'm oh. by myself. I'm, I'm the next season of Peaky Blinders is out. So oh I'm my that. gosh, everybody's going and crazy then, like, for that. The dude, like, <laughs> these fools is hard. How about you, Alma? So great. Um, for me, hope right now. Um, I mean, I do similar stuff. Like, I, I really love have really taken meditation seriously lately. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, wake up at 5, yeah. 5.30 um, and actually do this, you know? And so hmm. I am pretty, like, religiously, like, religious about, like, my gratitudes for the day and, like, just right. for today. You know, what am I grateful for today? No matter how sucky your day is, there's okay. something to be grateful for. Yeah. And finding it is what gives me hope. I feel like that gratitude message is everywhere right now. I just can't escape it. I mean, because it, it's so powerful. It has such, like, physiological and psychological effects on us, spiritual effects on us. That's such healthy and mature practice. Um, thanks for mentioning all those, actually. Those are those are so useful. Okay, what's next for you guys? What's coming up? What are you doing? What are you working on? We're touring. Touring the pod. How's that going, uh, by the way? Is that fun? It's fun. <laughs> it's, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. It's hard because it's like touring. I've been so used to touring by myself. Sure. So it's just like I've been playing Call of the Homies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but now it's like as a couple, that's been the most, the biggest joy is like, oh, my God, my wife's like with me. This is totally. So you know, but it's. It's harder because it's like, well, we're going to do our kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like a new thing. So it's like trying to get like the audience to get their brain around like you're coming to see a podcast. Yes. Like, wait, what? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like we're sitting on the stage in chairs. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so you're going to rap? Well, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to rap like later. So it's like, well, which one is it? You know? 
So it's been a little difficult, you know, as far as like sort of learning curve. But, you know, once people are in the room, it's been just like absolutely life giving. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. and I've, I've uh, co-founded Freaky Care Collective, yeah. um, which is an org that really seeks to create community for people who are finding themselves um, uh, in the outskirts of church, but wanting mm. to have like a community. And so we often say that we're kind of at the intersections of like church therapy, uh, community. You know, oh, really, good, you like, guys. We, we really want the people who have a hard time who are prickly on the outside, who are kind of harder to, like, get close in on, um, you know, basically the, the, the younger me's. That's great. Oh, my gosh. That's great. We'll link to all that stuff, you guys. My listeners are for sure going to want to know more about that. One of the best things in life is a good sounding board. I've said it a million times. Nothing is better than a friend who can listen to your brain dump and then cheer you on or throw up red flags, whatever the situation calls for, right? But sometimes we need specialized help, a neutral third party who can look at our situations, at our lives with fresh eyes. And I'm telling you that a wonderful, affordable way to do that is with better help counseling. BetterHelp can connect you to a licensed therapist or counselor online so you can literally get help whenever and wherever you need it. The BetterHelp counselors specialize in a huge variety of needs. Um, Some of those areas you may not even have available to you locally, but here they're available to you anywhere. Thank you to the internet. So BetterHelp has also, you guys, financial aid available to those who qualify, which is great because cost shouldn't prevent someone from getting the help they need. BetterHelp has an amazing offer for my listeners. They are giving you 10% off your first month with the code for the love. Here's what you do. Go to betterhelp.com slash for the love and use the code for the love to get the help you need that you want and you deserve right now. Okay. Back to our show. All right, we're wrapping it up here. Um, These are three quick questions we're asking all of our guests in the podcast series. Um, Here's the first one, just top of your head. What, if any, if you even have time, my gosh, what podcast are you listening to right now? Ooh, I can think of, okay, three of them. Okay, give it. Behind the Bastards. <laughs> okay. Okay. Behind the Bastards, it's everything you don't know about history's worst people. It's the funniest. Oh, it's but funny? Like deep, it's funny, but it's like a deep dive into just like, like think about if you're going to talk about Hitler as if he's Michael Scott. Okay. <laughs> so it's just like, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. Same same host. He has a show called Worst Year Ever. Uh-huh. And it's about the 2020 election. Oh, God. So it's, so it's like, That's it's almost like, it's almost like a debrief with your friends after like uh debates on where you're just like oh my gosh what just happened like, oh, i'm my. so tired right that's right and then for my, uh, okay. my faith is bible for normal people oh, but yeah, it feeds yep same we'll link over to all y'all suggestions i'm always i'm always looking for new podcasts and sometimes i want them to be funny so thanks for throwing in a couple of those all right yeah just off i know there's probably plenty but just pick one What's your favorite thing or maybe the most profound thing, however you want to do it, that you've learned from doing your podcast? Mm. Wow. 
most profound thing you learned? I think for me, the most profound thing is actually I feel like the journey of doing the podcast against my will in the beginning Mm, (laughs) has become very like, um, I mean, it's it's sharpening, like, you know, I charges iron. So it just helped me to become more in tune with my voice. That's awesome. My voice, like, literally and figuratively. Well, that comes through. It really does. Yeah. It comes through loud and clear. How about you, Jason? I think it's like, yeah, doing something for the success of someone else oh. was like my own yeah. experience. Because, of course, I benefit from this, but it was like, no, I think the world needs to yeah. hear what my wife has to say. And yeah. I'm like, I am, every time she gets like a speaking engagement that I don't, yeah. it's like, that's why I did this. And like, I'm like actually happy. Like, Oh my God, like I really did this for somebody else. (laughs) That's so great. Last question. Uh, this is a Barbara Brown Taylor question. We ask everybody this, every series, every guest, and it could be whatever you want it to be. So you answer it however you feel like, uh, the question that she asks is what is saving your life right now? I know an answer for this. Okay. Every morning I am super hungry. There's a lot to be done between my like trying to take care of myself, yep. work out, yep. feed the children, feed the husband, feed myself. Yep. Then I, I don't feed myself. So I end up just having a bulletproof coffee on my way to work and then I keep myself back. I just, I just feel so understood right now. Like that <laughs> coffee will literally get me out of the bed in the morning. I just think awesome. if I get up, yeah. I can be having coffee pretty soon. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'd say the Calm app. Really? Yeah. Like the daily calms. It's just like 10 minute meditations. Yeah. Like, this is great. Slow down, Jason. Okay. I wrote that down too. You guys should see all my notes. I've taken so many notes over the course of this whole entire interview. (laughs) Um, Okay. I want to just tell you a couple of things. Thank you for being who you are and for bringing your experience and um voice to bear on this culture right now it matters like it really matters i want you to know that like we are listening and learning from you and you're really important leaders right now and i'm proud of your work and i'm proud of your tenacity and i feel like you are so special in that you make these conversations you make these spaces accessible you really do like it's if you are you are the type of leaders that um i i'm drawn to you and so um thanks for all that you do i know that there's a cost to it you know i understand that um and i see it and i honor it i honor your work and i'm telling you right now that it matters thank you thanks for coming on thanks for being my friends um yeah. thanks for having us yeah. in every possible way Thanks for making me cry with your beautiful words. Oh my God. Yes. Love y'all. Super grateful for those two. I really am. I want you to know that Jason has been a good friend to me. And the two of them always give me so much to think about. I'm really happy to introduce them to you if they are new to you. So we'll link to everything they mentioned so that you can get to know them better. Also their podcast recommendations, the shows they're watching, their tour dates, all of it. Um, nothing pleases me more than getting to learn alongside you from such important, wonderful leaders, putting such good work into the world. Speaking of good work, 
You 100% want to stick around for the second half of the show as I talk to my delightful friend, BT Harmon, about his new true crime podcast. You guys, true crime. It's the real deal, too. So we're going to hear all about how BT found this story to tell um, and what we can expect out of it, including its really interesting name, which we'll unpack also. So you're not going to want to miss it. See you in a sec. Families are fascinating, right? It's mind-bending to think about all the people who came before us, that they weren't just people on a page. They were like real people with real stories, and they laughed at dumb jokes, and they had best friends and favorite foods and heartbreaks and triumphs. And so, lucky us, it's never been easier to learn about the people in your family, not just their names, but about them. Thanks to Ancestry, Ancestry combines DNA results with over 100 million, no joke, family trees, and literally billions of records to give you just more insight into your origins. You can even follow your ancestors' journeys over time, which helps you follow the story of who they were and then ultimately who you are. Um, You may be surprised what you learned too. I, of course, used the Ancestry DNA kit and learned I was about, I'm about 90% British. And I honestly did not know that. So I feel better about like my weird fascination with all things Great Britain. So I bet you'll probably find some pretty cool stuff you didn't know about your family too. Here's what you do. Go to Ancestry.com slash for the love and you'll get 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. It's a pretty good deal. So it's Ancestry.com slash for the love for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. Great, great, great deal. Ancestry.com slash for the love. Okay, guys, back to our show. Hey guys, welcome back to the second half of today's episode. I have on one of my favorite people today. So lucky me and lucky you. Um, You probably remember my guest. He has been on the show before. And the first time he was on, he went by Brett Trapp. Do you remember Brett? Oh, it's one of the greatest, one of the absolute greatest. Um, and these days he is going by BT Harmon, which we will talk about um, where BT Harmon came from. Um, hint, marriage. So if you um, have been listening for a while, you'll remember him, of course. There's a lot that's happened in his life. He's going to fill you in on all that. But if you're new to BT, let's see, he's a speaker, he's a consultant, and he is an amazing storyteller. And he lives in Atlanta's historic Cabbage Town neighborhood, which features prominently to our discussion today. So bear that one in mind. Um, His kind of personal ethos is to tell stories that seek the thoughts of a healthy culture. I don't know, that's a big umbrella, Um, but you know I'm all about that. Like digging out underneath conversations that matter um, when they are rooted in justice and um, forward progress and uh, healthy lives. So it's really no wonder we're friends. Um, And I'll mention this today, but his first podcast was called Blue Babies Pink, um, which he'll 
he'll explain to you a little bit, but that's, that was my introduction to BT. That was when I first just knew him as nothing other than a listener. I had never met him. My friend Tara Livesay sent me that podcast and said, this is must listen. And I powered through it, the whole thing. Um, and just went, I, I have to know this person like, uh, and reached out to him and said, can, can I know you? (laughs) Will you come on my podcast? And thus we, um, began a friendship that is so, so dear to me. And so I'm excited to have him on today because he's just launched a brand new podcast. And this time it's true crime. All right. A true crime podcast called Catlick, which we will talk about. We're going to ask about the name. What does that even mean? Um, and this is a really important piece of work that he's essentially been working on for like four years, you guys. So we're going to talk about all of it. What is it? What's it about? What's the, what's the story underneath it? How did he find it? Um, all of it. I'm just telling you, I, this is my prediction. You're going to get to the end of this podcast. And by the time you are there, you will have already downloaded Catlick. You will have already subscribed um, and you will not be sorry. So as always, I am so pleased to share my conversation with one of my favorite people, the host and the creator, not just host, the absolute creator of the brand new true crime podcast called Catlick. Here he is, you guys, BT Harmon. Good morning to my friend. I am so happy to have you back on. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Jan. It's good to be here. Super pumped. I know. I feel like I've gotten to see quite a bit of you lately. I'm happy about it. I, we're just, we're popping up in the same places and and I love it. And you always have your very handsome fellow with you too, which is just like a bonus. It's a bonus, (laughs) Brett. Agreed. He's amazing. Well, speaking of, speaking of bonus, Brett, um, uh, we've, we've got folks that have been listening to the show for a long time. And of course they heard you on, the first time you were on the Four Love podcast, which is like maybe a year and a half ago. Um, and quite a bit has happened in your life um, since then. Yeah, so my name is BT Harmon. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. My previous name was Brett Trapp, but in uh, 2018, I married a man named Brett Harmon, which was problematic on several levels. Nice, so yes, yes. I took his last name and then sort of uh, shortened my first name to the initials BT. That was a gosh, about a year and a half ago. So since then, Life's just been great. You know, we live right sort of smack dab in the middle of Atlanta. We got a cat named yes. Walnut. Walnut uh, makes a lot of appearances on the gram. Walnut is our little superstar. Yep. He is awesome. He's a sweet cat. And um, is... did you know that you were going to be a cat person? Is that news no. to you or was that like known quantity? It's funny. I feel like I've had big cat energy since I was a kid. I literally, Jen, there's a picture. I grew up in uh, in Azle, Texas, outside Fort Worth. And there's a picture of me with this black cat that we had growing up when I was about two. I'm sitting in the yard and that cat is sitting right next to me. I'm not kidding you, Jen. That cat slept in the bed with me till my freshman year of college. What? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I've been, like, I've been like a cat person from the get. So Okay. That's but fair. I- in this series, you are the only podcaster um, talking about a true crime podcast, which is exciting (laughs) and sensational. And so let's talk about it. It just came out like you just released it. I am hooked. I love hearing your voice anyway. But it's this 
I, I honestly can't believe no one's ever stumbled upon this yet. Like, it's yeah. so intriguing that I, it feels shocking that you're essentially kind of breaking the story for modern day um, listeners. And so bravo to you. So let's first talk about the title, because what does Catholic mean? And <laughs> it's not easy to forget, but like, what is it? What is that about? <laughs> Yeah, so just a quick overview. Catholic, I mean, you've 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 listened to it, Jen. It's a historical true crime podcast, and it's sort of partially both. It's partially true crime and partially historical, sort of a blend. Yeah. But it really, you know, tells uh, the tagline is it tells the lost story of how spies, villains, and midnight vigilantes nearly distort destroyed the city of Atlanta in the early 1900s. So, so the story is all true. It's not, you know, I've say it's it's not based on a true story. It is a true story. I've spent four years up to my ears in, yeah. you know old archives and news clippings. And uh, that's really been uh, a big focus of mine really for the last four years. The original title of the show was going to be 56 Months in Atlanta. Yeah. Because it covers this 56 month span of time, sort of like, you know, from month one all the way through the finish. But that name was kind of too long and it kind of felt too regional because I've been very clear. This is not just for people in Atlanta. This is really, it's really relevant for um, anybody who lives in America and wants to understand the history of America better. So about a month before the launch, I changed the name to Catlick, um, which for those who listen to my previous podcast, it was called Blue Babies Pink, which was confusing to people as well. So <laughs> I guess it's like my shtick now. I kind of yeah, like the mysterious name that you don't really understand until I yeah. kind of come out with it. So I, I, I can't reveal the, the uh-huh. full meaning of the name today. I'll, I'll get that uh, to that several episodes in. But I will say this. If, it is interesting. If you look at the word Catholic, it does have the letters ATL in it. Oh, so, yeah, I, I clever. Yeah, and it's... And I will say that the meaning is sort of related to the theme of the show, which is really around race and America's history. Yeah. With, you know, if you listen to Blue Baby's Pink Gin, sort of the subtext was faith and sexuality. Right. This is a hard turn in another direction and really unpacking some of these really hard conversations that are happening around race. Well, okay, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, in just a minute, I kind of want you to high level just the storyline, but as you just mentioned, it is just littered with racial strife and injustice and struggle. Um, and so I know you and I have talked about this because you, you have to tell a story like that with great care, especially as a white dude. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about how you put some scaffolding around your research, but then particularly around your storytelling um, so that, you know, you you were treating that story with like the proper respect. So, yeah, I mean, the point you bring up is fantastic. It's really why I delayed and sat on this idea for too long, because I just mm-hmm. thought, you know, gosh, do we really need another white guy putting out a podcast for one? And, and yeah. you know, do I need to be the one to to speak into this? You know, if right. you understand the history of Atlanta, it's just filled from the city's beginning of racial turmoil. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the people who had all the power were, you know, were the white men. So right. when you read Atlanta's history, you've got to kind of be careful because it's only coming from the perspective of, particularly with the newspapers, the newspapers only only employed white male reporters for the first, right. you know, essentially 100 years of their existence. And so, mm-hmm. um, so it was something I really debated. And I'm a big believer, Jen, as you are of, you know, just listening to mm-hmm. the experiences and stories of others and uh, 
taking and gleaning wisdom from that. And so, yeah, about uh, maybe, I don't know, three or four months before the podcast began, I sort of assembled what I called an advisory council. And it ended up being 14 uh, African-American friends of mine here in Atlanta, some that are close friends, some that are more acquaintances, some that are sort of in the work of racial justice, some that, you know, just have sort of normal jobs. And so I really just went to them and said, hey, guys, I'm starting this podcast. Mm. It's about Atlanta. It's about race. Um, Mm -hmm. My perspective is limited. I need your insight. I need your wisdom. So I had one-on-ones with all 14, heard their stories, heard their experiences, and just said, hey, you know, what advice do you have? How can I navigate this well in a way that's honoring to the African-American community? Um, and uh, as I sort of bring these stories to light, and it's it's been a really beautiful, a really beautiful relationship with that with that group, and they're still with me. I still send them email updates and and yeah. asking for their feedback as we go. That's great. I applaud that, of course, and um, uh, that just is so useful to the proper telling of any story that's really seated in white supremacy and racism. You know, you just simply have to you know, ingest uh, that perspective. And so I love that. I love that you did that. And I'm curious, why this? Why a true crime podcast? First of all, was it that you were a super fan of some other true crime podcasts um, that inspired you? Was it that, was it the information that drove you that you stumbled upon? Like, what was your front door into a completely different genre here? Oh, yeah, I am definitely all about, you know, a true crime podcast, as probably a lot of your listeners are. You know, some of my favorites that I've gotten into the last couple of years, of course, Serial was sort of the first sure. blockbuster podcast. Everyone's done Serial. Dr. Death was a good one. Um, Dirty John, which I think has sort of the greatest ending of any podcast oh. ever. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, and then probably my all-time favorite is called S-Town. Have you listened to this one? I haven't, but I know all about it. Okay, yeah. So that sounds pretty cool. It's set in Alabama. It's a true story. There's a character in there named John B. McLemore, who's just, I think he's the greatest real character in podcasting history. Awesome. So yeah, like definitely into that genre and um, really, I won't say inspired because a lot of them are really dark stories. But, Mm. uh, you know, I'm a storyteller by trade. I feel like that's sort of what I'm put on this earth to do, you know, and I just love, you know, putting together a good story, engaging people's emotions And ultimately, you know, my goal is to really cause them to think more deeply about a topic. And ultimately, I hope that makes a difference. You know, I grew up, as I mentioned, Southern Baptist um, in high school. I did what a lot of white Baptist males do. I surrendered Mm -hmm. to the ministry, you know. Of course. I I thought I had to, you know, be a preacher to make a difference. But, you know, that's what I love about the day and age we're in now is it's not just the preachers making a difference. You know, it's... Absolutely. Uh, it's all kinds of storytellers. And I have tons of respect for preachers, but I just think people would rather be told a story than be preached at. And so yep. this is sort of my little, uh, sort of become my little platform. So yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, 2017, BBP came out, shoestring yeah. budget. And this year, this time around, I really wanted to sort of up my game, increase yeah. the, the production value and that kind of thing. So, so talk about how you even found this story. Like, how how do you know this stuff? How did you learn it? How did you stumble upon it? Um, and then ultimately, how did you begin unraveling all the threads so that you could tell it to us? Yeah, it's an interesting story. So it kind of begins in 1985. I was three years old at the time. But there was a group of men uh, here in Atlanta. They began doing an assessment of an old abandoned cotton mill really near downtown. It's a little kind of mill community called Cabbage Town, which had 
grown up around this mill in the 1800s, early 1900s. And so the mill itself is sort of this giant old red brick building with you know smokestacks and it had been built in 1881. It closed in, I think, 1978. So mm-hmm. it had been open, you know, in production for 97 years. But so 1985, these men start working their way through it and they're kind of assessing it because they're thinking about turning it into, you know, lofts and whatnot. So they get down to the basement of this mill and they essentially come across a big black steel door. And it's mm-hmm. the door of a safe or a big vault. And as it turns out, this is sort of where all of the the owners of the mill, sort of these very wealthy tycoons had kept all the company records. And so they go in there and there's just this huge sort of treasure trove of ledgers and filing cabinets and correspondence. And uh, and they also found spy reports. And so it's kind of like, you know, why are the owners of a factory employing spies? That was Hmm. one of the first questions that came out. But but the guys who found all of this stuff, they had a sense that it mattered. And so they called Georgia Tech, which is a university down the road, and they said, hey, y- y'all might want to come check this out. So they came and picked it up, hauled it off, and began to sort of study all of these documents. And this was in 1985. I was, again, a tiny child in yeah. Texas. I had no idea this was going on. So fast forward to 2015. Uh, I was living in Atlanta at the time, but renting, but kind of looking to buy a place. So mm-hmm. I start searching online, and I pull up these incredible old lofts at this cotton mill. Yeah in downtown Atlanta. And so the pictures are incredible. You know, it's exposed brick and these big ceilings and big windows. And uh, I was just sort of like mesmerized by how beautiful these lofts were. So not long after that, I was in Cabbage Town uh, for a meeting with a buddy of mine named Jeff. Mm -hmm. And he sort of lives closer to that area. And he was like, you know, how's your house hunt going? I said, oh, it's going well. And I kind of point up to the the stacks, the Cabbage Town place where these lofts are. I was like, I kind of want to live there. And he sort of like pulls back and is like, you don't want to live there. He's right. like, that place is cursed. Cursed. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So he talks about this fire. There was a fire that broke out there in 1999 when they mm-hmm. were doing renovations. In 2008, a tornado hit it, sort of like skirted around lots of Atlanta, but hit this one particular mm-hmm. part. So I literally go home and I start researching. I'm like, of course, All right, I don't really believe in curses, but this is kind of interesting. So let me research. So as it turns out, the tornado and the fire had both happened, you know, mm-hmm. in the last 20 years. And when you began to study the history of this mill, I mean, Jen, it was just, it was a hundred years of hell and chaos. I mean, in this wow. in this little community, poverty, crime, drugs, prostitution, yeah. um, all in this little tiny little neighborhood that was wrapped around this mill. So I, mm. I researched further and I found out that, you know, this mill actually butts up to some railroad tracks. And in 1858, which was before the mill was built, a couple uh-huh. of guys had built what was called the Atlanta Rolling Mill. And this is okay. basically just this huge sort of ominous factory pre-Civil War that made uh, sort of iron products, iron railing and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. In 1863, at the peak of the Civil War, um, it gets bought out and they rename it the Confederate Rolling Mill. And it begins okay. producing cannons and iron rail and metal cladding for the Confederacy. So. This was literally where the Confederate war machines wow. were being manufactured, yeah. you know. So, uh, you know, of course, the Confederacy was, you know, an evil empire enslaving all these people. And so this was the spot where wow. all of the a lot of the arms were being produced. And Ugh, so it gives me like weird goosebumps. Yeah. So it's just a, there's just this dark history kind of around this one particular piece of land. 1864. Union troops come to Atlanta. They end up blowing up this mill to try to keep the, you know, from falling into Union hands. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so as I'm more I research, you know, just more strange things. And of course, when you keep going me back further, you know, the land was stolen from, you know, indigenous peoples who of had course. lived there before. So, 
So it was just kind of weird. And I know I'm not saying that it, you know, is a curse that I believe in curses, but there were just so many strange things to happen on that particular yeah. piece of land. And that really sent me down this rabbit hole of research about Atlanta and the roots of Atlanta, where it came from. And so over time to kind of bring this to a, to a point here, I discovered essentially four right. stories that all happened in Atlanta in the 1910s. I put them all on a timeline and a spreadsheet. That's when I kind of discovered this 56 months piece. And, uh, you know, the newspapers were covering them. And I, I thought, gosh, somebody ought to make a movie about this. But hmm. I didn't have movie money, but I had podcast money. So that's that's kind of where it came from. It's so great. Like, as, I, as you're talking about it, I'm leaning forward in my chair, like I'm, my mouth is practically on my microphone, like, oh, it's so intriguing. I told you when we were talking that I am absolutely fascinated with history at the turn of the century, like late 1800s and early 1900s. Something about that time period is so interesting to me, um, including I, I, I cannot get enough of the yeah. old maps and the old pictures and the cities before they were developed into what we see them today, like the development of big cities. And so that leads me to my next question, because you told me in Denver that you've got a really cool visual component to the show called The Vault. And that, you know, my ears just perked right up. So interesting, so innovative. Um, you're like, you're trickling it out right now on your social media accounts. Can you talk about what The Vault is and also for sure tell us who we need to credit for some of that like beautiful, beautiful artwork. It's so visually stunning. Yeah, um, so and I'm excited about this. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I have sort of obsessed over the visuals for this, which is a little bit weird because the podcast is <laughs> by its nature, not visual, but I, you know, as a storyteller, humans are visual. So I began planning about a year ago, you know, how can I augment the audio story with sort yeah. of a visual story? So my first hire actually on this project was an illustrator from Atlanta named Rachel Eleanor. Uh, somebody I'd followed on Instagram forever. Mm -hmm. And she just has this amazing sort of whimsical yes. style of illustration. Mm -hmm. And so I went to her and I said, Rachel, I'm doing this podcast. It's kind of historical. And as I talk to people, a lot of people think history is boring and it's mm. like stale and it's sort of stuck in these black and white photos. And so I just said, here's my story. Here are the characters and places. I need you to bring them to life. Like, mm. I just need you to illustrate these characters in these places to make it seem more real. And so that's what she did. And uh, so it kind of softened up the story and the characters and just made it more accessible for your average person. And so it's actually interesting. If you go to the, the Catholic podcast, Instagram, which is just Catholic podcast, uh, Rachel illustrated this massive image for the podcast mm. grid. It's almost like a map that's sort of showing some of the scenes from the podcast. Yeah. I think it's 150 images long. So, so that's also cool. But yeah, the thing you mentioned, it's called the vault. And this is sort of a, a digital visual companion that goes along with the upgrade. So it's a thing you, a website you log into, and you go in there and it's got historic photos from the stories I'm telling. It's got news clippings, old maps, uh, links to videos. I also do some sort of original content, you know, walking tours of Atlanta now. And here's, you know, some mm. recommendations on where to go and eat if you come to Atlanta. So, so it's really, really neat. But so the podcast itself is really half of the experience. And if you start listening to Catholic, I would strongly encourage you to check out The Vault because uh, it's going to bring all of these stories to life and put faces with the oh, names yeah. and kind of help you keep up with the uh, the plot line. If it's at, it's at Catholic.com. So obviously you have been deeply invested in this story for months, but really for years. And so yeah. it's, it's coming to life right now. It's just out into the world. So I've got a couple of questions. 
um, you've dropped the first three episodes. So what is it from here on out? Is it one, is it one a week or like, what's the scope of the podcast? I want you to talk about that and how we get it. And then second of all, what are you hoping as a storyteller that your listeners like ultimately walk away with? Great. So yeah, our plan is to release uh, one episode per week and it's, we'll be doing that really through the end of 2019 and the early part of 2020. So it's going to be about 20 episodes long Yeah. and uh, you can access that at, you know, catalog.com is the website, but you can get it on pretty much all of your major podcasting platforms. But to answer your question of, you know, what do you want listeners to take away from this? I would say, I just want people need to understand Jen America's history of Mm racial terror, you know, and I yes. guess I, I, my main instinct there was to say injustice, but I actually think terror yeah. is a more appropriate word, particularly with this era that I'm discussing. Um, there's an organization called Equal Justice Initiative. Brian Stevenson is sort of the founder of it, an amazing African-American thinker totally. that does work in this space. But, you know, he always says, I've never forgotten this quote, and they put it at the end of all their tweets as well. He says, to overcome racial inequality, we must confront our history. Hmm. And I think that's so true. Most of us don't know history, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Oh, completely. Yeah. We weren't listening in 11th grade history class and we didn't take any classes in, about history in college. And so. And nor did my a, teachers teach it correctly. I, I definitely yeah. received a version of American history where essentially colonizers were the heroes. And so I, I, I had to right. confront yeah. our actual history as a grown up. Totally. Yeah. And a lot of times that history is, yeah, it's edited out before we can even see it. And so, you know, you just, you would not believe, and this is, this is all new to me as I've done this research, the things happening in this country a hundred years ago and the intensity of hate and bigotry and racism Mm. that was just running unchecked, particularly through the American South. And I'm clear Mm. from episode one to say, guys, some of this is disturbing. Some of this is stuff you don't want to hear. Totally. And I get that there's sort of this line of thinking that says, we need to just, you know, let this stuff go away. It's over. It's in the past. But I kind of think it's our job. Every generation has to sort of retell these tales. And so, so that's kind of what, as I was doing this research, seeing these four stories, every single one of them had some kind of racial element. And that's where Mm. I kind of saw this theme developing and um, and I, that's that's what I hope comes out is that, yes, it's a sort of true crime esque podcast, but I want it to have a bigger meaning behind it. I want it to cause people to ask questions mm. and to and to get interested in the in the history of where we have come from, because I do think you've got to understand that you've got to understand mm. what's happening 100 years ago to understand where we are today. And because we're, we're literally repeating so many of the same right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, things that we did back then. It's It's unbelievable. Right, just the the forms have changed, the structures have changed. Um, I, I, I am, I cannot wait to hear this beginning to end. And I appreciate you saying that some of this content is going to be really hard to hear. So listeners know that going in, this is um, painful, painful history, but important history. And so, um, and then the the way these stories sort of weave together is just really like. You've done a lot of heavy lifting here, and I think this is going to be just such an important project for people. You obviously know I have a thing for jewelry. I've literally never met a pair of big, bold earrings I didn't like. Well, I am excited to tell you about Orate. 
you heard about this? Orate is a company giving us gorgeous gold jewelry that is ethically sourced, ethically made. This matters so much to us. Orate's jewelry is made from all real gold and has a very luxury feel and quality without the luxury price because they're selling direct to you. I have the loveliest, really dainty rose gold necklace and rose gold hoop earrings to match that are so pretty. And every time I wear them, somebody stops me. They're so high quality. I reach for them at least three times a week. Um, so All Right has a fantastic deal from my podcast listeners. So for 15% off your first All Right purchase, you go to All Right. And by the way, this is how you spell that. A-U-R-A-T-E. Okay. So that's com slash for the love. And then use the promo code for the love. All right. So one more time. It's com slash for the love. And then use the promo code for the love for 15% off your whole first purchase today. Okay. Back to our show. Okay. We're going to wrap this up. This is, um, as I mentioned to you, we are in a series about other podcasts. And so I've asked all the guests, all the other hosts um, in this series, these questions. Here's the first one. Um, Besides the true crime podcasts you mentioned earlier, are there any other podcasts that you are listening to right now? Yeah, two right now that I've been super into. One is called Freak Nick, A Discourse on a Paradise Lost. Uh, it's by this guy named Chris Frierson. And if you don't know, Freaknik was a big sort of African-American spring break party that oh. sort of like grew in the 90s. Um, and it was just a big party. And it uh, eventually got shut down. They, they tried to bring it back. But now it sort of lives in like the collective consciousness of Atlantans as this like mythical thing in Atlanta mm. history. And so this guy goes back and he's like interviewing people that were a part of Freaknik and the origins of it. But he does a really great job of, though it's about this big spring break party, he does this really masterful job of weaving in so much great commentary about Atlanta's history in the past with you know, race troubles and that kind of thing. So it's been great. It's been awesome. super eye-opening and I don't think that there's many, if any, white people on it. It's, it's, it's all uh, African-Americans giving their perspective on yeah. that. The second the second podcast is called Lover Work. Okay. Uh, it's by a mentor of mine named Jeff and Andre Schinnebarger. Yeah. And they've been doing this project, gosh, for two or three years now on sort of asking this question, you know, can couples stay in love and, you know, at the same time make a difference, mm. uh, you know, in the world or with their work or through nonprofit work, whatever it is. And so they've been doing these incredible interviews with uh, all kinds of couples and um, and really doing some really great research as well. And so as sort of as a newlywed, uh, that's just been some really fascinating, good, just helpful stuff hearing from, you know, couples who've been married for 50 years yep. and, uh, and he's had you know marriage counselors on. It's been great. Oh, I love that. I wrote all that down. By the way, everybody listening, we are gonna we will link on the transcript to every single thing. Every podcast BT mentioned, and obviously including his own. Um, if we mentioned it, it'll be linked. Okay. How about this? What is what's your favorite thing or most intriguing thing? This I don't really know what the adjective is, but um what's the most uh essential thing maybe that you've learned thus far? Um, from creating and producing Catlick? So in my research, uh, part of it was just 
going to a lot of antique stores trying to buy old books and oh, yeah. get back to first, you know, original sources. One of the things I found in, in one of my antique store uh, hunting days was this black and white panoramic photo, really more kind of like a sepia tone, but it was in this old frame with chippy paint. And it, uh, it was a group of all these people. And at the bottom, it says Coca-Cola convention, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Georgia, 1923. Wow. So as you probably know, Coke was founded based out of Atlanta. So uh-huh. at this point, 1923, the company would have been around for about 30 years, but okay. there's this big group photo of all these people, probably about 300 people. What I assume is sort of the leadership group or the team. Um, Jen, guess guess how many people in the photo were women? I'm going to say five. <laughs> yeah, zero. And you can guess how many people of color there were as well. And zero. Yeah, zero as well. So literally, it's it's this photo of 300 men all in suits. You know, you can there's they're all like brunettes. You can't even hardly find a blonde in the group. And so, wow. so when I found this, I bought it. I was like, man, this is this is how it used to be. Yeah. Um, you know, and yep. I see that photo and think. Gosh, you know, mm-hmm. white men were not the only ones in Atlanta capable of running a business back That's then. That's right. You know, this is just a visual depiction of a broken system. Wow. Uh, with lots of bad thinking. And I, I get some people are hearing this thinking, BT, you're, you're virtue signaling, whatever. Like, I get it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's true. This was it's a true. broken system that excluded so many people. There were yeah. brilliant women and people of color in Atlanta who would have made, you know, amazing contributions yep. to Coca-Cola. So, you know... I, We've got a long mm. way to go, but I'll be honest, Jen, we've, we've come so far. And this is, mm. you know, I always trend towards optimism, gratitude, and we have come a long way. We've gotten made so many positive strides. But at the same time, as you know, we still have progress to make and we've got to mm. keep pushing forward. That's so good. That's so great. I sometimes get the same exact feeling when I look at a panoramic picture of portions of our government. And I just have <laughs> yeah. to ask... Is our white men our only representatives up there? And that's just what I see in the pictures. Um, and so we have come so far, but we have so far to go. I really appreciate you saying that. Here's the last one. I asked you this the last time you were on the show. And so let's just see what your answer is this time. It's Barbara Brown Taylor's question. What is saving your life right now? I have been drowning in design work lately. I'm oh, yeah. doing a lot of the design for the podcast, the website. Yep. And so if you ever wanted to like, cut a person out of a photo, you know, like if they're in the background, <laughs> sure. remove the background, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like we've all needed to do that at some point, but it takes, it's like Photoshop. It's, it sure. takes time. It's like trick. It's just a nightmare. I have discovered, I forget how I found it. There's a website that will do this for free in about three seconds. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's again, this is super like granular, but it's, it's the website address is remove.bg, which is a weird Seriously? URL, remove.bg. But this is not an ad. I don't know the people who run this thing. Oh like, I'm, you gosh. know, I literally just have found it and it's been so helpful because it's like something everybody can use and it works. Like, it's like magic. Like it actually gets it right and cuts them out and <laughs> it gives you an image of your person. So Listen, that's it. That's giving me life. I, I respect that for you. Time is our hottest commodity. If somebody <laughs> can save me from two hours of trying to cut somebody out of a photo and just email it back to me in five right? minutes, I'm gonna pay for it. So um, listen, everybody, we'll link over to them too. Cause some of you guys need to cut out your old boyfriends out of pictures. Um, okay. I'm, I'm so excited about this. I really am. I, I think this is fascinating and interesting and important and, and we're here just at the genesis of it. And so listeners, you are just going to want to listen to Catholic. I mean, that's it. That's is the end of the story. Go subscribe. 
Um, subscribe also to the vault. You're going to want that. Um, and thanks for all your hard work on this BT, because this is the culmination of years of research. And so as somebody who loves history and finds it incredibly important, I'm thankful that you did all that work and that now we get to be the recipients of it. And so well done friend. And I just, I can't wait to get to the end. Thank you so much, Jen. I hope, hope your listeners enjoy it. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. So good, right? BT is just the greatest. I am a huge fan. Obviously, you're going to want to check out Catlick. Um, let your eyes lead you first. I cannot get over all of the artwork, um, how beautiful it is. And then, of course, this top-notch production value, masterful storytelling. Put this one in your queue, you guys. You will not be sorry. I am so thankful to... My friends today, today was a fun day with friends that I love. Thank you to BT. Thank you to Prop and Alma for their time today. I so enjoyed my conversation with them too. So I, I'm just grateful for these smart, creative people putting really good work into the world. And if I have been able at all to introduce you to what it is they're doing and you fall in love with it, well, then my work here is done. Just a reminder, the For the Love podcast is coming to a few cities near you, maybe. We're doing live events. I am pumped. We are just about to roll these out. Um, we've got Portland and Minneapolis and Grand Rapids and Atlanta. Fabulous guests in every city. Um, you can go to jenhatmaker.com for tickets under the events page. So, I mean, these are going to be I am just so looking forward to it. Me and my team have worked really hard um, on these evenings and it's like dropping our podcast living room right in your lap and inviting you into this like fun little project called for the love podcast. Um, definitely come see us if you're anywhere near any of those cities at jenhemmaker.com for all the info. Okay. Uh, thanks guys. Greatest listening community ever. Thank you for all your subscriptions and comments and reviews and ratings. Thank you for every single time you share a podcast. I am grateful and flattered and I'll never get over it until next week. Have a good one. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.